Because of the forbidden fruit effect, I'm just as likely to view it as if I hadn't been given a warning at all. Only now I've internalized the idea that the content will do me harm, and so it does. Hi everyone, welcome to the Parenting Translator newsletter and podcast. I'm Dr. Kara Goodwin, and today I'm going to be talking about trigger warnings and content warnings. So in this newsletter and on my social media pages, I often discuss very controversial and sensitive subjects, such as birth trauma and maternal morbidity. And I've never used a trigger warning or a content warning on any of this material. And you might be wondering why. So my reasoning is not due to a lack of sensitivity, but rather is based in research. And I really wanted to explain this research to you so you can understand why I don't use trigger warnings and content warnings. To address this controversial topic, I teamed up with Jacqueline Nessie of Technosapiens. So if you're not familiar, Technosapiens is an incredible newsletter on Substack that covers the latest research on parenting, psychology, and technology. I knew she was the perfect person to team up with on this topic because she is really an expert on the intersection of parenting and technology. Um, Some of her recent topics include social media, mental health, screen time for young children, and the parenting information overload on the internet. So if you are at all interested in reading about research on parenting and technology, um, please subscribe to her newsletter on Substack. It's called um, Technosapiens. So let's dive into the content. So I want you to imagine for a second that you're participating in an online experiment. You're sitting at a computer and you're asked a few questions about your current mood. When a message appears on the screen, it says, trigger warning, the following video may contain graphic footage of a fatal car crash. You might find this content disturbing. A few seconds later, you're watching a public service announcement video clip. Depicting a speeding driver, the driver crashes and he's killed instantly. You're asked to rate your mood again. How do you feel? Now imagine you participated in the same experiment, but with one difference. There was no trigger warning. You signed up for the study and answered some questions, and before you knew it, you were just watching this disturbing video clip. How would you feel then? Surely by receiving the warning, you'd be better prepared to handle the negative content. You would know what to expect. You'd feel less anxious, less disturbed, less upset, right? It turns out, according to the research, probably not. So what are trigger warnings and content warnings, and why do we see them everywhere on social media? So content warnings, which are called CWs for short, are statements to communicate that the content, the writing, the photos, the videos, may contain disturbing themes or imagery. These types of warnings have a long history in media. So think about movies and television content that usually say something like viewer discretion is advised. So that's an example of a content warning. Trigger warnings are a subtype of content warnings that are explicitly designed to warn that negative emotions may result from a certain kind of content and to protect people from psychological harm, especially individuals with a history of trauma. So this is suggesting that you, the viewer, might find this content disturbing. In practice, trigger warnings and content warnings are used interchangeably. 
If you've spent any time in the world of parenting content on social media, chances are you've come across these type of warnings. So a quick TW or CW often precedes social media captions and something called a sensitivity screen, which is another form of content warning that blurs potentially offensive images until the users click to uncover them. And these trigger warnings and content warnings are now a mainstay on Instagram and social media. So do trigger warnings and content warnings actually work? It certainly seems like trigger warnings should be helpful. Why not give people a warning that they might be upset by certain content, especially people who might be particularly vulnerable to it? Shouldn't that help people to prepare for the content, maybe prompting them to use strategies to manage any negative emotions that might come up? In line with this thinking, many people are in favor of trigger warnings. So research found that 57% of college students are in favor of them, and most students report that they are somewhat helpful to their mental health. And certainly, it may be the case that trigger warnings are helpful for some people in some situations. Research cannot capture the experience of every individual in every situation. But in general, the evidence on trigger warnings doesn't actually line up with what we might expect. Research suggests that trigger warnings neither reduce people's negative emotions after seeing disturbing content, nor do they help people to cope better with that content. In the study described above, for example, researchers ran six separate experiments with a total of 1,394 people randomly assigning some to receive trigger warnings before viewing the content and some not to. The researchers varied nearly every component imaginable across the experiments, the type of content, video versus text, the population, college students versus other adults, the negativity of the content, the wording of the trigger warning, and the results were consistent. Trigger warnings did not reduce participants' anxiety or negative feelings. In fact, they made no difference. These effects hold both for the general population and for those who have experienced trauma, the very people that trigger warnings are often intended to protect. In a study of 451 trauma survivors, participants were randomly assigned to either receive trigger warning or no trigger warning before reading a passage. Again, there was no difference in the reactions between groups, even when the content of the passage closely matched the type of trauma the participant had experienced. Unfortunately, trigger warnings did not help trauma survivors to avoid painful memories or brace themselves for upsetting content. Okay, you might be thinking, but don't trigger warnings at least help people to avoid the content if they want to? So even if trigger warnings don't help people to emotionally prepare or cope with negative content, couldn't they at least allow people to avoid the content altogether? Again, this makes a ton of sense, but here again comes the research to tell us that trigger warnings don't end up functioning in this way. Across studies, these warnings don't seem to reduce the likelihood that people go on to view negative content. In one recent study, for example, college students watched a traumatic film and then had the option to view images from the film, either preceded by a trigger warning or not. Trigger warnings did not increase the likelihood that participants would avoid the images. Studies of Instagram sensitive screens um, reveal a similar pattern. They don't seem to deter individuals from viewing negative content. So why would this be? Well, you know when your friend says something like, the craziest thing happened to Sarah yesterday, but I promise that I'd let her tell you herself. 
And then suddenly finding out what happened to Sarah becomes the most important thing you've ever done. Whereas if Sarah had simply called you and launched into a story about how she saw Ben Stiller at her physical therapist, you would have simply nodded along absentmindedly while checking your email. When we're told we can't do something, whether it's to know what happened to Sarah or to view potentially disturbing content, it paradoxically increases our interest and our curiosity about it. This is called the forbidden fruit effect, and it might be causing trigger warnings to backfire. In other words, trigger warnings may make you more likely to want to view the content. Okay, but at least trigger warnings aren't doing any harm, right? You might be thinking. Well, not necessarily. Studies suggest that trigger warnings may prompt something called the nocebo effect, where negative expectations of a situation cause more negative outcomes. In other words, participants are told they may feel distressed as a result of viewing certain content, and this leads them to actually feel more distressed before or after viewing the content. For example, in one study, participants who were given trigger warnings before reading a disturbing passage reported more anticipatory anxiety, meaning they reported more anxiety in advance of seeing the content. Another risk is that trigger warnings may increase trauma survivors' tendency to see the trauma as central to their identity, and this has been linked to increased symptoms of PTSD. Trigger warnings also rely on the principle that avoiding upsetting content is helpful for reducing anxiety, when in fact, research consistently finds that avoiding upsetting content actually worsens symptoms of PTSD and anxiety over time. So what's the overall translation here? So taking these findings together, we can imagine how this might all go down in practice. I'm scrolling Instagram, going about my day, and I come across a trigger warning. It tells me that some upcoming content is potentially disturbing, and it might cause harm to people like me. Because of the forbidden fruit effect, I'm just as likely to view it as if I hadn't been given a warning at all. Only now I've internalized the idea that the content will do me harm, and so it does. Of course, there are things that we don't know about trigger warnings. So what exactly constitute a warning? Would a simple information label, something like this post contains violence, be different from a warning label, which would be something like this post contains violence and you might be harmed by it? Or as some may argue, have trigger warnings become so ingrained in our cultural lexicon that even a simple information label implies the idea of a trigger? Are there ways we can make these warnings more effective? Like all research, studies on trigger warnings have limitations. We may never be able to say for sure whether trigger warnings are ineffective in every case and for every person. But here's what we do know. As it currently stands, trigger warnings do not seem to impact most people's emotional responses to content. They do not reduce the likelihood that people will avoid the content and in some cases may actually increase it. And they may increase people's distress before viewing the content. In other words, they don't seem to be working for most people. And in some cases, they may be making things worse. Sometimes when something seems like it should be true, it's even more important to take a close look at the evidence and it might just end up proving us wrong. I think this is a story for trigger warnings and content warnings. Thank you so much for tuning into the Parenting Translator newsletter and podcast. Thank you again to Jacqueline Nessie of Technosapiens for collaborating on this topic. And please tune in next week for more research-backed information for parents. 
Parenting Translator is a nonprofit organization, so all of these podcasts and the information they provide are given to you for free. If you would like to support our work, please subscribe to this podcast and rate and review it. Thank you so much.